Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday already know. a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, fam! I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so check it out. I got shows coming up, and uh, I want to see you guys there. So let's come out to uh, anybody near Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, I'll be there June 3rd to June 5th at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Then uh, June 10th to June 13th, you can catch me in Irvine, California at the Improv. And I'll also be in Oklahoma City from August 5th to the 7th at Bricktown Comedy Club. And there will obviously be more shows coming up, so just keep checking RussellPeters.com for updates. And now, enjoy the show. On this episode of Culturally Cancelled, we have superstar, Emmy and Oscar award-winning Jamie Foxx calls in. And my friend John Lovitz is here. (laughs) John Lovitz was hilarious. Ask him yourself, he'll tell you. Get those ratings with a double Oscar award-winning actor, Jamie Foxx. But John Lovett showed up, so that's who we'll base this episode on. What were we going to call this one again? Not listening, John. We're just not listening. John, is your mic okay? I don't know. It Save has, it for the podcast. It has this thing covered. Save it for the podcast. <laughs> I, hello. We'll fix it in post. Welcome to Culturally Cancelled with me, Russell Peters. Today, my guest is my dear friend. I love him dearly. Jonathan Michael Lovitz. (laughs) (laughs) That's my name, legally. And he is a billionaire from comedy. Well, I mean, that's, you know, a little... Low estimate, frankly. <laughs> so this is uh, this is what it is, John. We just hang out. There's no. Real yeah, I quit. started doing shows intergalactically. I'm the first comedian, so I literally made trillions. I've heard good in things in Bitcoin. <laughs> so I made John travel all the way out here from his palace 
in Bel Air. I don't live in Bel Air, but it's interesting uh, without revealing where you live, or do you reveal that? I mean, it's not hard to find out where I live. Well, I grew up in the valley, you see, and I worked in a, in a pharmacy. My dad was a doctor. Anyway, the point is, when I was 16, I got a job as a delivery boy, delivering, you know, the drugs, uh, drugs you know, prescription drugs to the people that lived where you lived. So I know this street, I, all, all these streets I used to know, I used to know, like the back of my hand. And now that your and hands it's just, changed. It's like, you go, it's like I'm back where I was when I was 16, only I'm at your house. So it's like 1986 all over again. No, like 1973. Same. Do you know that I told you this before, but people don't know this about me, but before I started doing stand-up, I used to uh, do impressions of Lovitz at clubs to pick up chicks. Didn't you say I was the first impression you did? You were the first impression I did. When you were 15, I remember. uh, When were you on SNL? What years? 85 to 90. Yep. All those years I was 1885. (laughs) Pre-Lauren. <laughs> Lauren was a zygote. <laughs> In his great I did the great. show with his great-grandfather. <laughs> and then I got hired again by him. Hey, what's his real last name again? Lipschitz? Or is that Ralph Lauren? they both Lipschitz, right? No, Ralph Lauren is Ralph Lipschitz, and Lauren was Lipowitz. By the way, did you know, um, my dear friend Penny Marshall, God bless her soul, she went to high school in the, uh, you know, the Bronx, and she went to high school with Ralph Lauren and Calvin Klein. And her, they're on the same high school. And, and Gary Marshall. Marshall went there too, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Did you meet Penny Marshall from working with her? Did you know her before that? No, I met her. Um, the very first thing I did on Saturday Night Live, and Madonna was the host, and we were shooting a short film for the show. That's the first thing I did for the show. And we're in uh, Central Park at two in the morning and we're on a break and, that, and Penny was there and that's when I met her. And a week later, she, she gave everybody a, a like lunchbox. I got a Knight Rider lunchbox. And it from was a Madonna? Note from Penny. And it was a note that said, you know, here's your Saturday Night Live survival kit. And inside was like Maalox and aspirin, all this stuff. And I didn't understand it at the time, but later on I knew what it meant. And um, and then after I did my first show, and I they have cue cards, so I thought I could like look at the card really quick and look back, and you wouldn't see it, and you see my eyes darting, you know, back and forth doing this. this yeah. yeah, and she said, she called me. She goes, "Learn your lines." I go, "Why?" She goes, "I can see your eyes going back and forth." I go, "You can't. Oh, you can see that? I thought I could beat it. No, you can't." <laughs> and then, I mean, she just was great to me. And then after my first year, she goes. Oh, no, then she took me to this... Uh, this is Penny we're talking about. Penny, yeah. She took me to this restaurant in New York on 69th and Columbus. It's not there anymore, called Columbus. And she introduced a guy, Paul Herman, who's Beansy. He's an actor. And I'm good friends with Paulie Herman. You know, Paulie, yeah. Yeah. So she introduced me to Paulie, and you know he talks like this. He was uh, Beansy on The he's, Sopranos. And, yeah, he's... Um, and he used to be a good. rocket scientist, literally. He told me, I didn't believe him, but he's a math genius. Because he I didn't like the lifestyle. So then, so uh, she goes... Polly, this is John Lovitz. Take care of him. So he introduced me to everybody, and uh, and I met. That's when I met um, Brian Hamill, who and Danny Aiello. And Brian Hamill was a, a Woody Allen still photographer, and that and through Brian I met Mike Tyson before he when he was nineteen, when before he was the heavyweight champ, and I know maybe you know a him. couple of months before he became heavyweight champ. Then about four, 
Yeah, a couple months before. Well, maybe four months later, he was a champ. And um, it, if anybody's it was a wondering, fun place. I met everybody there. I started going there every night. Where, studio? It, no, Columbus Restaurant. It was like a hangout for actors. And uh, yeah, I, it was I, really fun. I met everybody. And it, and it, it was almost like a, it, the food was okay, but it was like a club, really. And there was one part of the restaurant where there was 12 tables, and that's where everybody wanted to be. And I remember one time going in there, and I knew, I knew somebody at every table. Hey, John, hey. It was like a club, a hangout, which I'd never really had. It was so fun. Everyone that was there back then you know, talks about it. It was so much fun. So your tables were like all the SNL people pretty much? No, no. They wouldn't hardly go. I mean, once in a while they go. I was m- m- me going there all the time. No, I'd be uh, Danny Aiello, um, the actor. I, 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 I became friends with him. I met him in the afternoon. He said, so you want to, I goes, I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm doing a play at Lincoln Center. When you come by and it? watch, uh, the House of Blue Leaves. So I go, okay. So, he, so I went and watched him and he's on stage. And all of a sudden he started doing this move. And I'm like, is he, imi-? and he's, he's imitating my character, Master Thespian in the middle of the play. I go, did you, were you doing it? He goes, yeah, that was for you, Johnny. And then, uh, and then there was one guy in it, a kid in it. And I go, he's okay. I think he was great. And it was Ben Stiller. And, um, and then later on, Danny goes, you got to see that. No, Ben's really good. You got to see this short film he made. And it was a spoof of A Color of Money. So I saw it, and, and Ben was terrific. And it was really funny spoofing uh, Tom Cruise, and Danny was in it. So, wait, and you knew... Um, and so, wait, did you know uh, Ben's parents? I'd never met him. Oh. So, so the, uh, maybe that was a few years later Ben had done that, but he said to me... Um, I was on Saturday Night Live. He was in the hallway, and he goes, John, this is that tape of that film I did. Can you get this to Lauren? I go, yeah. So I went into Lauren's office. I go, hey, you got to see this. It's really funny. And it's uh, Ben Stiller. His parents are still in Mary. It's really funny. He goes, of course. It's in the jeans. So I go, all right. So, and then Lauren watched it, and he put it on the show. The short film. Yeah. And then Jerry Stiller, whenever I run into him, he always goes, he goes, did somebody help you? He goes, he'd always thank me. He goes, thanks for helping Ben. You really gave him his first break. And he goes, did somebody help you? I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, I thought so. People don't usually do that. Nobody helped me, but I still help people. I helped you. You let me play your club. Well, not only that, I helped you by by uh, w- not presenting myself as a comic in a, you know whose parents are from India and I'm from Toronto. I let, I go, I'll let him do that character. I mean, you did do it for a little while. I did. Because I, when you started doing it, I went, oh, God, I should have done that. Like, look how many tickets he's selling. <laughs> so, and then I went, oh, and then they're like, yeah, nice try, John. We know it's you. And, oh, crap. We were supposed to have Dennis Miller on this with you, but John's a diva. And he was like, I just want to do it alone. Well, no I, extras. Because I, I didn't know, first of all, I didn't know you were going to have Dennis with me, but what I would have, oh, but I did tend to clam up. I don't say anything. No, it's Dennis just, would be, I, I'd be telling the story. Dennis would go, yeah, good, pop, love it, get to the point, pop. All right, anyway, pop, pop, pop. And he would just talk over me. I wouldn't get a word Because he was in. like, John's one of my best friends in the world. And I was like, oh, okay. No, we're very close friends, yeah. Is that who you became closest with from the SNL cast? <coughs> yeah, we, we uh, I first met Dennis, uh, it was 85, and, and they were auditioning the show, and I got in the Tonight Show from the Groundlings and got me an agent, Mike Eisenstadt. And he said, hey, there are, what about Saturday Night Live? I said, yeah, right. He goes, no, I'm serious. I go, hey, Mike, I have a better idea. Why didn't I land on Pluto? He goes, no, I'm serious. And I'm like, will you just shut up about it? Because it was just another world to me. I only had one job when I was 25 for two weeks. 
on the paper chase the second year. That was it. Now it's like three years later. But he goes, well, I'm going to submit it. I go, all right, go ahead. Just shut up about it already. But they liked me. And then I met with this guy, Fred Weissman, who was a dentist and got a job casting SNL out of L.A. And I said, well, how did you hear of me? He goes, I asked Jim McCauley, you booked The Tonight Show, who's good? And he, he said that you were the best sketch uh, comic in town. I was like, me? I go, what about Phil Hartman and Tim Steck? Those guys have been in the Groundlings forever, and I really looked up to them, and I just got in the company. But anyway, I met Franken and Davis. And then, and then, um, anyway, we keep auditioning. So I ended up, they picked 10 met finalists from Canada. They saw everybody in the USA, 10 men and 10 women. And from L.A., they had myself, Dennis Miller, and Damon Waynes. And the women were Pam Madison, who should have got the show. She was a great stand-up, great singer, great impressionist. She could do everything, nicest. And uh, J Jennifer Tilly and downtown Julie Brown. But J Julie Brown that had the single, the prom queen is a... The British girl. The prom queen has a gun. No, not the DJ, who I met. She was nice, too, but it wasn't her. It was uh, Julie Brown. The prom queen has a gun. So when we fly out from Los Angeles, and I'm sitting next to Dennis, who I'd never met, and he's like, man, why do you... And he had a hat on. And I thought, oh, he must be bald. I, spent, I don't know. That's how I thought. <laughs> and then I, he goes, what do you do? I go, I do this character. Like I was in tonight, lying, uh, guy, that pathological liar. And Dennis always goes, I thought, yeah, okay, great. That chump's not getting it. I should and, have uh, But we became else. friends. And I saw his audition in the, from the control room. And he was so, like, relaxed in this. I go, I got to be like that. And, and then we became friends on the show. And he's like, hey, John, I think you could be a stand-up. I go, really? He goes, yeah. Not like me, but like there's this guy, Kevin Meany, and he's really funny but silly. And what, So he brought me to uh, Catch Rising Star in New York, and, and Kevin was hilarious, uh, Meany, and met him. And, I then, remember and Kevin. then Dennis got up, he was going up, and then I got up. They go, John Lovitz, yay. And then I didn't know what I was doing, which I, didn't, I thought I they I've just laughed. Five minutes later, like, John Lovitz was like one hand clapping. And I go, oh, you really got to know what you're doing. I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't know. I I mean, I, I used to do Woody Allen and Lenny Bruce's routines in my dorm, but I, not my own stuff. Anyway, afterward, the Dennis goes, okay, I got 25 bucks. Let's go eat. We were dead broke. I go, what? You just got up for 15 minutes. And they give you money for dinner? Are you kidding? I, you I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Did what? you get money that night too? No. <clears throat> well, how times have changed. I was only up for five minutes. I was, I was a drama major at UC Irvine, and then I was going to do stand-up, and they were teaching a workshop uh, at the Comedy Store Annex, they called it, where they later built the House of Blues. And Danny Mora was teaching the class, a stand-up. He goes, well, if you're being coming on a Saturday, it was free. He goes, if you want to be a stand-up because you want to get in a sitcom, don't do it. They're not hiring stand-ups for sitcoms. And then he goes, but I, go, I go, they're not? No. Da -da 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 -da. I go, and I raise my hand. I go, he goes, yeah, I go, well, you think they would hire you guys. You're really funny. He goes, yeah, well, you'd think they would, but they don't. Well, they just hired Robin Williams to do Mark and Mindy. I mean, and I thought he was just saying, like, if you want to be a stand-up, do it because it's, you know, like an art form. You want to do it. And I ran into him later. He goes, I hear you tell a story about me. This was like a couple of years ago. Fraser Smith told him. I go, yeah, well, you said, you know, that. I go, I thought you were just saying, like, no, if you really want to be a stand-up. He goes, no, no, I really believe that. I go, but they were, of course they were hiring stand-ups for sitcoms back then. But anyway, so I thought I'll skip that step and I'd go to the Growling. So stand-up was always something I wanted to do. 
Okay, Russ, so you can talk now. No, I like when you talk. I'm listening. I'm very interested. So. You're listening, and you're also falling asleep. No, I'm watching the dogs, making sure they're good. In case you guys hear heavy breathing in the background, that's not Paulie and Eddie going at it. That's uh, John's oh, lovely Tennessee. dog, Ch- uh, my Jerry. My dog is very friendly. And my uh, little toy pug, Piper. Were you, you weren't on with Eddie Murphy, were you? No. No, he was before me, but I, uh, I met Eddie at that restaurant, Columbus, and he befriended me. Are you still be friends today? <laughs> when I see him, I did, yeah, I just haven't seen him while, but I was 27. And Eddie goes, You want to hang out? I was in this restaurant. He goes, Oh, you're really funny. Oh, thanks. He goes, Well, you want to hang out? We're going out to the clubs. I go, Yeah. So he had all his entourage. We get in his car. We go to his club called the Blue Parrot in New York. And it was a, all a, basically an African American club. And they hung up. But anyway, we go in. And I've never seen anything like it. And in like in two minutes, 30 women were like whoop, swooped down on him. And I'm like, oh, this is what like it was like when uh, Elvis Presley was famous. It was like that. I go, oh, this is a superstar. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before since. It was unbelievable. And Eddie was just a um, really nice guy. And, and he, I go, you think I would be standing? He goes, yeah, you know. Eddie was, was like 24 then, 23. I don't 24. know. I think he was 27, but I... I no, he was... He Younger? just turned 60 last month. This month, rather. Well, I'm saying not in 85. I met him when he was 27. There's no pictures together. I don't believe No, it. but uh, one, one time... No pictures? It I was at his happen. house, and I don't know what I said. I, I, don't, I would make him laugh. And I go, you see, Eddie? You make the country laugh, but I make you laugh. <laughs> and then he would laugh again? With this house by you? That house? No. Eddie. No, it was his house in New Jersey. Ah, oh, that one. I heard about that one. Bubble Hill, he called it. Yeah, it was beautiful. Did you go to Bentley's with him at all? Back in the day? In New York? Um, no, I, n- I don't know what Bentley's is. Another African-American club. Well, no. I just remember it was called the Blue Parrot. At one time I was in his ki- kitchen and, you know... It's the Jackie Mason joke. You know, after the show, all the Gentiles will get something to drink. And the Jews will go, you want to get something to eat? So, of course, it's true. So, I'm at his house. And I go, hey, everyone's, like, drinking. I go, you might make myself a sandwich. Yeah, okay. And then I said to him, I go, do you have any mayonnaise? He looked at me and goes, you're really Jewish, aren't you? I go, well, compared to you. <laughs> it was very funny. Have you, have you been in an Eddie Murphy movie? No. Well, apparently you're not. But uh, uh, one time I said, uh, he was directing that movie. Um, what was it? Though? He directed it, the Royal. Uh, it was with uh, Della Reese and Red Fox and Richard Pryor. Oh, and, um, Harlem Nights? Yeah. Was that it? Yeah. So Harlem I, Nights I said, with Red uh, Fox. Everybody was in Yeah. It. So he was, uh, I said, hey, um, can I, like, you know, come on the set and watch? He goes, yeah. So I got to go and, uh, and he goes, have you met Richard Pryor? I go, no. So he goes, John, this is Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor goes, looks at me, he goes, real quiet. He goes, oh, well, you're a very funny man. And I'm like, well, thank you coming from you. I mean, that's the biggest compliment ever. I mean, you're the funniest. And, but uh, and it was fun. This will all be in my book. How this Russell. Is the, uh, this is called, the audio version. This will all be in my book called How Russell Peters Stole My Act. I would be playing arenas if Russell hadn't stolen my act. I can't stop. When I met Russell, he was a Jewish kid named Ed Schwartz. 
How dare you give away my identity? And I said, he goes, I said, why don't you just pretend you're from Canada and your parents are from India? And he went, I'll do it. (laughs) I was kidding. Little did I know it would sell out arenas. Well, John, that's how I do things. Oh, you know, John was at one of my uh, arena shows. He came in Toronto. In Toronto. And he goes, why don't you come? I go, where are you playing? He goes, Maple Leaf Garden. Where the, no, where the, the Air Canada Center. No, but it was where the Maple... What's the team there? The Maple Leafs play. Yeah, he goes, it's where the Maple Leafs play. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I'm doing two shows. I go, how many seats? He goes, 15,000. I'm like, are you kidding? And I, and I went, and I just couldn't believe it. 15,000 people, no opener. He comes out, they go nuts. And then it was like... A, it was like to me, it was like a world. The theme of the show was the world. Where are my Filipino people at? Then he does a bit about that. Where are my people from India? And you hear the people cheering. Where's my people from South Africa? Where's my people? From, it's like China. I mean, every country. It was it was fantastic. But I just one guy selling that many tickets. I was like, oh my god. And and it's you know Andrew Dice Clay did it, and Dane, and you, and now Joe Coy, and Sebastian. And Sebastian. And Kevin Hart. And, oh, he does arenas? Yeah, he did that. Oh, I didn't know. You okay, didn't know that? And you knew Kevin. that. No, I know he's huge. I, I know, but Kevin did that stadium in Philadelphia of 53,000 people. No, I didn't know. I've never met him. I'm sure he's a great guy. You don't know Kevin? No, I've never met him. No. I thought for sure you would have known Kevin. But it, well, Okay, him too, but it's so rare. It's like, it's just like you you uh, hit a nerve. And I remember, I remember Russell did a, he doesn't know this. But I said to his brother, well, how did it, how did this happen? He goes, uh, he goes, well, Russell did a Showtime special. And no, no, it, I did a, I did a, you did a special. special in Canada in 2003. Yeah. And then he goes, no one really saw it. He goes, and then somebody put it on YouTube, me, and it was called <laughs> The Shot Heard Around the World. And I go, oh, and I didn't want to go, yeah, it was me, but it was me. And um, so I would like. He's very tech savvy. I would like my cut. The very tech-savvy John. Okay, who put it on there? We don't know. Exactly. It was me. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) I knew you were always my angel, John. Check it out. This summer, I've got shows in different area codes. That's right. I got shows. You get the idea. Anyway, I'm so happy to have a full schedule. But that means I'll be doing a lot of traveling and trying to find ways to entertain myself on the road. And listen, now that there's some semblance of normalcy in the world, you're probably going to be going from place to place more and more frequently, too. So my advice to you is take your Raycons with you. Whether you're listening to some 90s hip-hop or classic rock or whatever it is you're listening to, hopefully you're listening to the latest episode of Culturally Cancelled with Russell Peters, myself. A pair of Raycon wireless earbuds in your ears can make all the difference. You get crisp, powerful sound at half the price of other premium audio brands. Raycons look great, but they feel even better. They come in a cool range of colors uh, with customizable gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit. Plus, Raycons are built to go wherever you go with quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. I love the fact that Raycons are super portable and they have a 24-hour battery life. That means even if I'm flying internationally, I know that they're going to last for the whole flight and rental car drive. Well, maybe not the drive. Just kidding. I'll probably use the stereo in the car. Because there's nothing worse than having your earbuds die on you with no option to charge them. But with Raycon earbuds, I never have to worry about that. 
So listen up. Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. And here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com. That's buy, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Peters. There you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. And it's such a good deal. You'll want to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Peters. Buyraycon.com slash Peters. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I remember years ago, I was happened to be in India, and I <laughs> met this couple, and I said, you should have a kid named Russell. I'm listening. And, and they said, you know, thank you for that wonderful idea. John was 13 at that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he was very ahead of his years and then i said maybe you should move to toronto that's just an idea and they did 
And here we are 51 years later. Yeah. Your mom just told the story of how you got your name last week. I feel she like did, didn't she? she I well, guess did she was, she tell she the was real wrong. story no, about she, me saying name him Russell or no? No, she was wrong. She was wrong. Different story. She remembers it differently, but she's 80 now. She so. made it up. She made up a totally different story. She did. I mean, it might have been. She, I think she just misremembered you because she said it was a woman who told her to name you Russell, right? Maybe your hair was long. Yeah. One time Russell called me and he goes, what are you doing? I go, oh, you know, I'm just in L.A. and, you know, the Christmas decorations ever. Such a special time. Christmas is special. And then he went, hmm, Christmas special. <laughs> it's true. I can't deny any of this. Next thing I know, John, you want to do my Christmas special? I go, what? Well, there's an original idea. Why don't you just do it in Canada? And he went, hmm, again. Why don't you just hire Faison Love and Scott Thompson? Even better. I don't remember that. I, I said, get Michael Buble. By the way, you want to hear a story about Michael Buble? Yes, please. <laughs> the singer. So this friend of mine, uh, Maeve Quinlan, she was in a movie. She goes, you want to come see it? So I go see it, a screening, and another friend, Krista Allen, is in it. She's the lead. And then the, the other lead was this unknown, and it was Michael Buble, and he was 20 and heavy. Like a lot, he was a lot heavier. He's lost a lot of weight. And so he was in it, and I met him afterward. And in, in the movie, no one knew who he was. He had well, he was twenty, and he goes, and I said, "Hey," um, and he sang in the movie. I go, you're really like a great singer. I think you could, I think you'll do really well. He goes, "Really?" I go, "Yeah." I'm not saying it was my idea for him to uh, be a singer, although I am. No, it wasn't my idea. But I remember then I go, "Hey, you're really a good." But he was completely unknown. And then the next time I saw him was on Russell's uh, Christmas special. And I go, hey, Michael. Said, hey, John. I go, remember when he goes, yeah, I did. I go, well, you've done well since then. Russell Peter. And by the way, Peter in French means fart. <laughs> Russell farters. I do. I tear farts, at least. Well, Peter in French means fart. So Peter's is more than one. So your name means Russell farts. How dare you? Well, that's what it means. I'm well, surprised you never knew that. Love it means you appreciate things more than just liking them. You love it. That's right. My name is Jonathan Michael Lovitz. Jonathan, it's Hebrew. God, Jonathan means God is given, and Michael means a gift of God. So I say to my dad, I go, you see, I'm a gift. God has given a gift of God to the Lovitzes. You're welcome. What's Can your... you imagine? I, he just looked, he would look at me and go, Dad, what? I'm your son. You're welcome. What kind of doctor was your dad? Internist. As opposed to an externalist? No, as opposed to a GP, a general practitioner. Every doctor does that training, and then they, and then they specialize, and he specialized in internal medicine and chest diseases, i.e. the bosom. How old was your father when he passed? 70. That's it? How old were you when you passed gas? About a day. Twice in a day. So that's the name Peters. Peters. <laughs> was he really 70? Yeah. Very young. Yeah. Especially yeah. for a doctor. Well, you know, he's also a person. You sing, though, too, don't you, John? I do sing, and I've been working on it. So I'd like to share with your listeners some tips. Some tips that I've learned, which is... Um, if you really want to learn how to do something, 
you need to learn from someone who does it professionally and can explain it, you see. So, for example, um, you could take a class from in college about how to do stand-up and they're telling you comedy. Or you can ask a comedian. Or an act- There's this big acting teacher, and I don't want to say her name, but she's a fraud. And uh, <laughs> she never doesn't have one credit. Uh, yeah, and she wrote a book about acting. And, and Uta Hagen wrote the same book. Uh, Uta Hagen was a Tony Award-winning actress, a, a big teacher at Herbert Berghoff Studios Herbert, in New York. He was her husband. And she wrote the same book. It's the same chapter headings. It's, it's identical. And, the, and then apparently uh, th- this kid was taking her class, and I, I did in this movie, uh, Happiness. And, she's, and they were, she goes, oh, they were doing this scene. And then they said, she said, try to do it like Will Ferrell. And then the guy did it. And she goes, see, if John Lovitz had done it like that, he'd still have a career. So, I, of course, I was insulted. But I go, well, I go, first of all, I have 27 credits after that job. Now I have more than that. Secondly, she doesn't know what she's talking about. You, if you're going to act, you don't do it like another actor. You do it like you would do it with your brain and your personality and your imagination, not somebody else's, and which is all you can do anyway. And you can pretend you're someone. But I go, and thirdly, I go, the director wrote the script. So he has a vision in his head of the movie, the filmmaker, and his vision in, in his head was me playing that part. And I'm also great in the scene, and I'm known for it. So it's just it's ridiculous. Happiness. The opening scene. When was happiness? And it was a really hard scene to do. It was really written great, and it's really funny and sad, and, I, and the emotions are going all over. I'm sad, I'm funny, I'm angry. It goes all over the place. It was a hard scene to do. And um, Todd Solans did it. But that's just, anyway, that just, and so I, I started looking her up. I go, she's never acted in anything in her life. Then I looked at her book. And I go, the chapters, I go, this is Uta Hagen's book, Respect for Acting. She just put the, the chapters in a different order. It's just like a scam. You know, like, I'll give you an example. She, like, if you said, who, on a movie, who should you introduce yourself to? The, and uh, someone that's never made a movie is not going to know the answer to that. And I do. And you'll have to, uh, I'll Bye. be doing a, 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 I'm doing a new thing. I'll plug it. It's very soon called it's funny, but it's true. Acting schmacting. Very clever. On Cameo, and there'll be if you want to learn how to act, you have questions, you can go there pretty soon. By the time and and you're on Cameo? Yeah, I'm doing Cameo. It's a new what's, thing. What's uh what's your rate on Cameo? <coughs> it's a subscription thing. It's uh Wait, not Cameo. It'll be nine ninety nine a month. Ten yeah. bucks a month. And then you can ask me anything about acting, and there'll be all these videos just starting it, and it'll be great. And and you'll be lear- learning from someone who's done it. And of course, I don't tell people to, which I'm sure people go, oh, you just say, be like you. I'm like, no, don't be like me. Be like you. I'm not teaching you to do it like me. They go, that, that's not what you do. Well, I figured out who I was by trying to be you. For real. Well, you figured out you could do impressions, you see. I can only do one. Me. <laughs> and everybody goes, every time I do an impression, I go, that's love, it's again. And that's Lovitz. Do Denzel Washington. All right. I'm King the, Kong ain't I'm got the, shit on me. I'm the equalizer. So, so, um, Is this any, your- anyway, that's my point. So, my point was about singing. 
So I did this TV show. Go ahead, look it up, called Sing Your Face Off. And we had to imitate famous singers. So I'll go, I could do Pavarotti. And then I'm listening to him, and I'm like, I'm an idiot. Why did I say that? He's the guy, he's so amazing. And I had, I sing La Donne Mobile, and I had to hit this high note. That's, that's me as Elton John. And a, a fat Elton, I look, you know, Elton John. So I go, I couldn't hit this high note. And they, and they had a singing teacher, Roger Love, who's great. But I still couldn't get it. And then I found a video on YouTube of a Pavarotti explaining how he sings. I went, oh. Was it in English? Yeah, and then called Covered Singing. You can look it up. He explains how he sings. And, and they go, that's the way you do it. Of course, he knows. Then I found another video. And Roger Love's a great guy, by the way, and a great singing coach. But I, but I, I wasn't able to, the way he was saying it, I couldn't do it. And um, this show, Sing Your Face Off, it's all over the world in 40 countries. It's very popular. But it's hard to find people to do it because you've got to be able to sing and imitate other singers. And the best one I did was I did a Roy Orbison, and it was like spooky. If you can find it, Russell. Find it, Eddie. Farts. I mean, paters. <laughs> but anyway, my point is, if you want to sing, I said to somebody, well, what does Frank Sinatra do that's so great? And they go, well, it's his phrasing. It's the, they can't explain it. And there's a thing on, if you go on Google, go Tips on Popular Singing by Frank Sinatra, a book about how to sing, and he explains breathing which is different than any teacher explains it. And that's my point. And it works like a charm. And, and if you practice it, and, and basically he says, every teacher will go, well, you, you breathe in the air and you push your diaphragm out, you push it in, it's this. Frank Sinatra says, no, breathe in the air through your nose so you don't dry out your vocal cords. And he goes, your, che your, your chest fills with air, you know, your lungs fill with air and your chest expands. Now he goes, don't let your chest go back in. Now, to, and that's what your focus is on, your ribcage not going back in. Well, to do that, you, have to, you, you use your stomach muscles. And you, and it, but it's just a different thing to focus on, and it works. And if you combine that with Pavarotti having your throat open and relaxed and just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, I, I mean, and then you just practice it every day, and you get better and better and better to the point where uh, Russell Peters says, John, we're doing a whole podcast in an hour. I just want you to sing. And I go, no, you're not paying me. You can sing, though. I Didn't think you... so. I mean, I try. You know, I never said I'm, I'm a professional singer, but I love to sing. And I've gotten to sing with Robbie Williams. My friend got me a job at, at a, who's the biggest rock star. Yeah, at the Royal Albert Hall, not his album. And I got to sing at Dodger Stadium a bunch, and I sung at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> But I mean, I sing way better now because I learned from Pavarotti and Frank Sinatra, the two greatest singers ever. I go, that's who you listen to. That's my point. I mean, the two greatest white singers ever. Let's not negate Aretha Franklin and all the good ones. I'm not saying she's not a great singer, but but what I she think you're wrong. They're two of the greatest singers ever. You know, Robbie was living in L.A. for a while. His niece. Yeah, I think he's. A I think he moved back to England though. I don't know. He was huge. But his address was... I'm kidding. So now, ironically, this is Robbie. He's doing a song Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby sang, Well Did You Ever. I'm singing okay, and I don't think I'm singing great on this. I think you sound I'm trying to. Good. I'm trying to imitate Bing Crosby. What a swell party this is. I sing better now. 
Russell won't eat cow because he's from India. Culturally canceled, politically incorrect. Don't eat a cow. <laughs> Don't eat a burger. But I'll eat pork and you won't. And I won't. It's a different religion. Enjoy your shellfish. Oh, you can. I can't. <laughs> Would you like a cheeseburger? Sure, but no cheese. Yes, but I can't have the cheese, and you'll just... Yes, so I get the beef, and you get the cheese. And both of our arteries are clogged. Yet we're happy. Remember you told me about Hamburger Hamlet. You said that was the best burger in town. Didn't you tell me that? Yeah. And now it's gone. Now what's the best burger in town? Uh, and um, Well, the kind I like, it's called a hamburger... Hab no, not Hamburger Habit. It used to be called that, Hamburger Habit. But a really great burger is in Malibu, across the street uh, where the, the little park is. There's, and there's John's Garden. There's a little hamburger stand there. Oh, we're in Malibu. It's really good, and the fries are delicious. We're in Malibu. I want to know. On Webway across... No, is it Webway? It's where the little shopping mall is, the market, on, right after the bridge... On PCH, before you get to the colony on the right, you turn right. Used to be the Malibu Mark. There's all these Malibu shops. Inn right there. No, after that. What's wrong with you? My God. It's where the park is. It's on. Uh, um, what? Park. Cross Creek. You turn right on Cross, Cross Creek. Cross Creek. Right after the gas station, you turn right off of PCH. And on your left and right, there's a little shops. It's on the left. There's a great sandwich place, John's Garden, and then there's a Malibu. It, I, I don't know what it's called, but it's a little hamburger place. Oh, just a little stand, right? Yeah. You know it, Eddie? Yes. I've never had the burger there. Oh, my God, is it good. What's good about it? What's is it good better than Shake Shack? Oh, my God, yes. I love Shake Shack. I get it. I get Shake Shack, but it's better. Thin or thick burgers? Thick? I don't like them too thick. Not, not too thick. Of course, I, like a gap we could go about. Well, you've never been in too thick, have you? <laughs> I am fairly. That's thick. what happens with me and women. It's always the same complaint: too thick. <laughs> so I've been fortunate enough to have the uh, Helix mattress. Let me tell you, it's incredible. I took the Helix quiz which is what you'll do. And I was matched with the Midnight Lux, which happens to be their most awarded mattress because I wanted something with a medium feel and I tend to sleep on my side. And let me tell you, it's amazing. It's made with luxury memory foam that's specifically designed to offer pressure point relief for side sleepers like myself. So now I don't wake up with sore hips or shoulders anymore because I got huge shoulders. I'm a very masculine guy. And Helix makes it really simple to find the right mattress. If you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, and then the mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. You can't always avoid getting sad, but you can avoid mattress stores that make you sad. Just go to helixsleep.com slash peters. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. But believe me, you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash peters. That's helixsleep.com. 
com slash peters for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Sleep well, my friends. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hey, what was your favorite movie that you did? Oh, changing the subject. I just want to get to the beef. You're a comedian. Look at that segue. Speaking Not. of segues, do you have one? <laughs> well, that cigar. I like Le- League of Their Own was a blast, and the City Slickers was fun. Probably League of Their Own. That was really fun because... Uh, oh, Penny put you in that. Yeah, I, I love baseball, and I love women, and I love old movies, like making a movie in the 40s. And then most of the cast, I knew everybody. I knew Penny, your daughter Tracy. You know, I'd lived at her house for two summers, and I knew them really well. I knew Tom Hanks I was friends with. And, new, and uh, Gina Davis and Madonna had hosted Saturday Night Live. I knew them. And that Madonna was there for two weeks. So it was just, I, I knew everybody. So it, it was really fun. And Rosie? And the part was written. For, I'd never met Rosie O'Donnell, and that was her first movie. She was so new. We went to go see her do stand-up, 
and she started imitating me on stage. And she goes, and then she goes, I can't believe John Lovitz is in the audience watching me right now. That's how new she was. Did she say it like this? I can't believe John Lovitz is here. No, she's like, John Lovitz. She goes, get to know me. I don't know. She started imitating me like that. John Lovitz is here. How are you? I don't know. She started imitating. I met Lori Petty for the first time. But I, I only worked the first three weeks of the movie, and then they let me go. Can you blame them? Yes, I can. No, they didn't let me go. They, they, my part was over, and they let me go. What am I saying? I but I, just... I, when the movie came out, I felt so proud to be in it. Oh, this is a funny story. So then they had the premiere in New York at the Ziegfeld Theater, and then, and then um, they had a party at this rest, tavern on the Green, which I don't think it's open anymore. It's a huge it's restaurant gone. in Central Park. So I'm sitting at a table with the uh, Regis Philbin, who I knew from Columbus, and this. So I'm sitting next to Regis, and and the and I got a lot of big laughs in the movie. So Regis is going. John, you're a big star now. You're a big star. You know that, right? I go, I don't know. He goes, well, you are. You're a big star now, John. Look, John, there's Robert De Niro. Don't look, John. I'll look for you. You're a big star. <laughs> he was really funny. And then stuttering John was on Howard Stern then. And I see him walk up to Regis and say something. And he's like, God damn it, get the fuck away from me. Just like exploded in anger. And he walked away. And I said, what did you say to him? And he goes, I said, yeah. I asked him if he had a big penis. And Who'd you, who'd he ask? Regis Philbin. Asked who? Stuttering John. You're not even listening. You're on your phone, you dick. I'm listening to messages. My my wife. I'm talking on your podcast. My wife wanted to know if your dog's balls were neutered. We're in the middle of a podcast. I'm talking to you, telling you a story, and you're not listening. Maybe we should change the name of the pod deck to not listening. That's how many listeners we have. And my guest is, what's your name? Yeah. How did you get started? And then they say, and you go, Russell, where's he going? He has to go to the bathroom. Now he's swimming in the pool. He's upstairs. <laughs> I'll come in later. Don't worry about it. And then you add in later. That was a great story. <laughs> Is Jerry neutered? Yes. I just don't want him fucking my pug. That's why. He's laying right there outside. He's not. Okay. No, Your dog's nowhere in sight. We want him to go in and play with her, but we want, didn't want him humping her. She's a virgin, you know. I'll go in and play with her. Hello. Yeah, he's been deballed. Deballed. Just like you. Go in, Jerry. You can go in. Go ahead. My dog Jerry's a rescue uh Really? Dog. Yes. From a rescue pet store that no longer exists, but he's a rescue dog and best thing I ever did. He's fantastic company. And he and he's very uh he boosts my confidence. Like for today, we're coming over here, and I go, and I'm like, guess where we're going? We're going to Russell Peters to do his podcast. And he's like, you're funnier than Russell. It's true. I go, no, I'm not. I'm funny. He's very funny. That's the thing about comedians. I go, who's funnier? I go, I don't know. Everyone's funnier in their own way. I can't do what you do, and you certainly can't do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a joke. You know what movie I enjoyed you in? Great White Hype. No, I don't know. Because I'm not psychic. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned Great White Hype. Because the director was Reginald Hudlin. I'm friends with I, Reg. Well, I just ran into him today. Where? At the bank. Counting where I was all your money. My trillions. I'm going to text him right now. No, I swear to God, I just ran into him today. And that's me and Sam. That was the third time working with Sam. 
and uh, my part really, it, I maybe had one line, so I had to. Reggie goes, let's just improvise. Reggie said that. I call him Reggie Hudlin. And he let everyone improvise, and so I had to make my part up. But Sam was such a great actor. I have a scene where he's screaming at me. And I thought he was really mad. I go, are you mad at me? He goes, no. I go, oh. I really thought he was pissed. But Sam's a great guy. I, I met him doing a movie, um, Lethal Weapon 2. See, you've been in a lot of great films. Thank you. Well, I feel fortunate. You know, they're fun to do. That movie was really fun. Uh, I'll tell you a story about that movie. On the set, there's like Sam's office, like like in an office and a living room to his office. And there was a white piano on the set. Anyway, Jamie Foxx was in the movie. And, he, and uh, he, had a, he had a pretty small part. But he was sitting at the piano during breaks, playing the piano. And just kind of singing to himself. So I was standing there listening. I was blown away. I said, you know, I said, you know, I play piano, but not like that. I go, geez, you sound like great. You should make a record. I mean, you really sound professional. I had like an idiot. I had no idea that he was a music prodigy in, in the high school and got a, you know, I think he got a scholarship for music to college. And Jamie's a very insanely but he, talented he person. Was, um, yeah, he was, he was just singing real soft to himself. I go, man, you sound like a, you should make a record. And, of course, he listened to me like you. Well, I'm not saying I gave him the idea. I, obviously, I didn't. But I, I didn't know. But he was like, I didn't know he did that. And, oh, he's that guy is so t talented. I, saw, I, I, I ran into him. I said, hey, I saw the movie Ray. I go, I think you should have got two Oscars, one for the music and the playing and one for the acting. I mean, he was unbelievably great in that. So great. And, he just uh, won another Oscar on the weekend. Jamie. For what? Soul, the, uh, the animated movie. Oh, he did? Oh, yep. I didn't know. For what? Soul, voiceover? the animated movie. No, I know, but what was the Oscar for a voiceover? What am I, keeping tabs? I don't even have well, one Well, you're Oscar. the one who saw the... I, didn't, I saw the last hour of the show. I didn't see the whole thing. But he's a great guy. You know, certain people, they become huge, and they retain their humanity let us say they be they don't get arrogant they become nicer and i always say to me it's a mark of a great character when someone gets like that and they're still just you know hey regular nice guy and you know people say well of course they're nice to you that's the thing once you do successful anything that the times and uh, someone's nice to you or a girl likes you or a woman likes you or a dog well that's because you're you i go of course they're nice to you i go so if i wasn't me they wouldn't be nice i go no they're nice people no, Except people are nice. for people are nice Russell to you, Peters. you son of a bitch, Russell Peters. How Russell dare thou? Russell Pete, you can hear that. I'm very eerie. You don't have the headphones on, and I'm whispering. Everyone in town's very nice. Except Russell Peters. You can hear that. I have super hearing. I was just testing. You don't have your headphones on. You do because your ears are kind of small. How dare you? What I didn't get in ears, they don't I really made up for it in nose. Not to be a jerk, but they're not proportionate to your head. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's, of course they are. They're fine. You have perfectly fine ears. Russell is a... Did you hear that? What? Nothing. I didn't say anything. See, John's so good, I don't actually know how to continue the conversation. Because whenever John and I hang out... Well, I'm trying to be entertaining. I could just shut up. I, well, here's the thing. I don't know how to not... Be John when I'm hanging out with John. You can be John. I can't I, stop it. <laughs> when I was in college, 
and a great professor, William Needles, had taught me Shakespeare. He was like, anyway, he was like a father figure. He was a great guy. And a, <coughs> I was maybe 19. Don't say he was like a 19, father. You had a father. 19. He was 59. I said, a father figure. So anyway, I said, Mr. Needles, do you think I could be an actor? He goes, yes, Jonathan Knight. You have everything going for you except your voice. You really need to work on your voice. Because I would slur my words and talk fast and talk as fast as I think. So I'd be like, hey, what do you do? Hey, Russell, what you want to get? Oh, wait, no. Yeah, never mind. Okay. And like, what? I used to talk like that. You used to mumble? All the time. I would just like, hey, I was thinking, wait, 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 what if you? No, it's not. Okay. Okay. I was just, I was just saying everything I was thinking, which you know, was, you that's what comics do. Too fast, yeah. But I was like, you think fast. I was saying it that fast. So you you taught yourself to. Well, speak. I was unintelligible. You couldn't understand a word I was saying. Like now, like this. Hey, Russ, I was, can we get? Wait, oh, the, yeah. Never mind. So anyway, ironically, I thought my voice was nothing. Like actors would have these great voices. How do you do? And like this, you know. And I was just like, hello. That nothing. I thought it was nothing. Like there's nothing about my voice that's unique or distinct. And next people are imitating. And I remember one time Phil goes, you know, it's so funny. Phil Harmony goes, every time people get around John, after a couple of minutes, they start imitating him. I said, yeah, why? I taught this acting class. Fraser Smith, an actor, a comedian, asked me to teach it. So I tried it. And this one guy, Lauren Paul, and a really nice guy, he goes, how do I do what you're doing? I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, how do you, t- how do you think of talking like that? I go, like what? And he goes, <laughs> and then he goes that. I go what? I don't know what you're talking about. He goes that. I go what? Oh, he goes that. I go. I don't. That's just me. But that's how my mother would talk, and now my grandmother. Your mother really talked like that. My aunt really talked like that. She's my mom's younger sister. She sounded more like my. I said you sound more like my mom than my mom. She sounded because it was her older sister. So, I don't want know, to be the one to tell you. They were this. four years apart. And I said, you you sound more like like you sound like you're doing it. Uh, she sounded like she was doing a, a caricature of my mother. What was her name? Aunt Sandy. I'm here to tell you that Aunt God Sandy bless. is your mother. I don't think so. I hate to be the bearer. She would call me up. She, I swear to God, my Aunt Sandy, she goes like, I go, hello. She goes, John, yes, this is the aunt. <laughs> <laughs> She's not like, I go, I start laughing. I go, you sound more like my mom than my mom. Do I? Well. And that's how my grandmother would talk. Are you an only child? No. How dare you? I don't really talk about my family, though, because my personal life, because it's personal, and it's their lives, you see. So I don't... See, John, I just want to know which sibling you are. The youngest. Of course. (laughs) Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel's every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Do you feel like you, you know, I know that's your voice, but do you feel like when you've been other characters that you've been imitating people in your life or like getting inspiration from people in your life? Oh, yeah. My mom, Woody Allen, I saw Take the Money and Run when I was 13. And I said, well, I don't want to be an actor, but I should like to date young girls. And then I, and then I, um, Saw the movie Lenny and, <laughs> and um, yeah, Woody Allen. I, I actually got to uh, 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 meet him uh, through Brian Hamill, who was a still photographer. And um, I finally got to meet him. And, and Brian goes, John became a comedian because of you. I'm like, stop, Brian. He goes, and he's like, oh, I finally influenced somebody, you know. And then I got to hang out on the sets. And he'd never let anyone do that. And, and, and Brian's like, no, what do you really like you? And I got to hang on the sets. Oh, it was my comedic idol. I was thrilled. Is why I became a comedian, and and um, I just I have a picture. Someone took a picture. I have a, me hanging on a set, and I said, uh, I said, you know, when I was, uh, and I had these black glasses like him. I go, I was always worried people thought would think I'm just imitating you. I go, but didn't I read you had that problem with Bob Hope? And he goes, No, Mort Saul. Mort Saul. He goes, I I started doing stand up, and people said if I could just get rid of my Mort Saul mannerisms, you know. And what's thrilling about I think. You know, finally doing well. Yeah, then I, five years later, I got to be in his movie. There we are. Which one? Uh, well, the, it had no title. At the, it's called Small Time Crooks. But when we were making it, there was no title. It was just on the on the thing. What the hell was wrong with your leg? W A F T P Woody Allen Fall Project. I'd broken my leg skiing in April, and that and the premiere was like a month later. And I I, I did I got an operation. 
So they're having the premiere and I go, I'm going. I'm not missing this for the world. I don't care about my leg. So I was on crutches because I'd broken my leg skiing. That Hugh um, in the Olympic trials and I qualified. <laughs> but then I skied the next day and broke my leg, and that's why you never saw me in the Olympics. Jamie Foxx is calling. My mother used to say, if you don't my grandma What up, Jamie? Listen. Go talk, baby. Hey, Jamie, how are you? I'm good, man. Y'all, it can't be that much funny and, and, and intelligence in one place, baby. That's not fair right there. <laughs> it's a, that's I know. A he he was asking me about the Great White Hype. And then I, I said, I said, you know, a funny story. I go, Jamie Foxx was in it. I go, and he actually had a pretty small part, which you did, you know, he, at the time. You were, you know, you were working yeah. your way into movies. I go, but there was this piano on the set. And I remember you playing it and singing. I was standing next to you, and I go, and I was like, "Wow, you really?" I go, "I play piano, but not like that." Wow, you should. And you were singing. I go, "You should. You should make a record. You really sound professional." <laughs> I didn't know you were a music prodigy. I found out years later. I had no idea that you were like that was your thing in 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 high school and college. And I, yeah, I but had you know no what idea. I was to do, man, I, I, I was trying to just get it all, man. I was trying to let you see me, man. I was like, man. You you checking out my moves, man? I was like, I'm gonna give it all, baby. Oh yeah, but you were singing. Do you, I don't know if you remember that you were singing soft. But he brought it up because I just ran in. I ran into a, a, a Reggie Hudlin today. Yeah. At the bank. That so movie the- was tough, though. That movie was tough. That that premiere was tough. You know, my favorite yeah. scene in the movie is you ain't my daddy, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. congrats, Jamie. We were talking about you winning another Oscar. Oh, man, listen, man, look, I, I share that with us. And what I mean is anytime a comedian can break through on that side, I share that with all of us, man, because I, I still think I still think it's a weird chip on our shoulders. Like sometimes when you look at like you guys look great and stuff, some of our performances since we are since we do come with so much, you know, funny, sometimes, you know, they, they sort of overlook us, but man, like... Yeah, but you're anytime like... We, anytime we poke holes like that, man, that's for us to step through. Yeah, but you're kind of like hyper-talented. Like, it's ridiculous. Man, well, I, I appreciate it, man. But like I said, man, I, I'm always... Well, I don't know man. anyone that does characters like you did on on, on a Living Color, you know, in Living Color, and then you do yourself, and then you do dramas, and then you sing at the highest level and yeah, music you know at the, the highest you know level. The it's like, from. it's unbelievable. I mean, you're on, I remember I said, I did say to you, I don't know if you remember, I saw Ray, I saw it in my, I saw it in my house and I said, I finally saw it. I go, Oh man, you should have won two Oscars. That's how great you were. <laughs> one for the music and one for the acting. I mean, it was unbelievable. Well, man, I, I thank you. But, but you know, what's interesting. Like when we were doing a little color, a lot of times I wasn't the main guy when I first got there. So I would just work on characters, just staying in character. And, and just working on them. And, and Keenan taught me, like, if you ain't great, you ain't nobody. You know, being a being, being being a black comedian. So I would always just try to, like, get in them characters and just, just swing away. So, you know, it, it, it's, look, it just, uh, it, it, it pays off sometimes. Like I said, that's, that's the payoff, what happened on Sunday, man. But like I said, I shared with you guys, man. Because the minute but I started... What did you, I didn't you see know, when I you said, won. Gotta, Congratulations. But did you win? Was it, like, for... Was it for, um like... I don't know what it was. It for best voiceover. I mean, you were. No, it's for best animated film, and it was the first oh, wow. African American lead in a Pixar film. So it was the first. There was a lot of firsts in it, you know. And at first, oh. at first, I didn't know. You know, first I didn't know that there was no such thing as a, a black person not being in a Pixar film. But because you know, when we was coming through and living color, we was just doing our thing. I was never really asking or 
a question that we were doing our black thing. We were just doing our thing. But I thought it was just what? great that they acknowledged that. You're saying in Finding another, Nemo, you know, whatever, huh? in Finding Nemo, none of the fish were African-American? <laughs> there were no black fish out there, baby. There were no black fish? Well, there was a documentary called Black hell? Fish, but that was not the same. What about an orca? <laughs> It was that <laughs> What's that picture? Oh, is that You're a still in Atlanta? Oh, that charity. Man, I'm in Atlanta, man. Look, we are in the gym, man. We kidding right now. Where the fuck is Dave Brown at? Dave Brown in there trying to cook. He almost set the house on fire. Mm. You know what, Dave? I said, Dave, either fifty, either you take fifty or fifty takes you. He's literally FaceTiming his daughter. Doesn't know the technology. The fish is, smells like kerosene. <laughs> I told him, "Do you want to open the door?" He said, "Somebody's at the door." I said, "No." I said, "No, you need to do one thing at fifty. One thing, but I have a I have a question for you about. I haven't seen the Pixar movie. I want I want to see it. But this I said this the other day. I said you know movies that you Robert Evans, the producer, used to say you know we'd make a movie and would tell the studio how to sell it. Now the yeah. sales team tells us how to sell it. So I go and then they don't work on the script and the story in this. I said, but Pixar, their movies are always great because they really work on the story and the three acts or the whatever, and they work on it and make it great. And did you find that with you, which I haven't seen your movie, but did you find that, that the story was like, oh, I, this is such a great story? I got to do it. I'm going to be it. honest with you. It's sort of like you're in the dark a little bit because it's, oh. it's, they have their vision. So I would go in the booth. First of all, I was doing facial expressions. It's like, Pete Doctor's like, uh, Jamie, we don't, we don't see your face. We just point <laughs> point. And so, but they started like, they would even film me doing like some of the actions and stuff and sort of like put it together with it. But you really don't know, man. But one thing I can tell you about Pete Doctor, he's a genius. I mean, think about all the Oscars that he's won. And then with Kent Powers and Dana Murray. And then that whole incredible cast, man. You don't know until you know. And once when I tell you it came out and it was, you know, I think it's like over 2 billion streams now. The, the highest uh, Over stream. 2 billion? 2 billion. Holy shit. It's crazy. That's crazy. So, you know, like I said, man, it, it's just, it's just, look, man, look, us, man, we just keep, we just keep following. We just keep coming. And then next thing you know, it's going to be us, all of us in the movie, man, doing our thing because it's time. It's time for us to bring comedy back. I, I saw somewhere where they were talking about, yeah. like, like, we got to, we got to sound the alarm of like, we're still entertainers. We're, we're still playing characters. I know they was talking about people playing characters and, and I think they're taking it too seriously. Like, uh, somebody was doing another character where they had to gain weight or they had to get small. I don't know what it was, but I'm like, that's what we do. You know, we just want yeah. to keep the entertainment, you know? Right. I mean, I, I did a, a, a stand-up show and they're going, you can't say this. You, no one said my age is a man. You can't say this. I go, well, now I have to. And I, I go, that's a comedian. You say, don't, you can't say that. And I go, well, now I have to. I go, and yeah. that's our job is to make fun of whatever. Every, I make fun of myself. I make fun of everything. And yeah, then when they go, you can't make like, fun like, of that, you, you can make fun of that. Like, I'm like, well, why not? I go, that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, man. I don't and even think supposed to. Out. That's just how you are naturally in me. And then you go, oh, right? And then you go like, oh, I want to do this. This is like what I, this is how I am. Yeah, man. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, the comedians didn't, didn't, didn't fuck up the world. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, there are other people that are actually like, you know, doing the most they can to mess the world up while... We're, we're putting some laughter in people's belly, and, yeah. and so man, that's why I appreciate you guys. Listen, we're, Russell, we're are you last truth teller? Russell, are you writing this down? Are you Keep learning that, anything? <laughs> I'm waiting for Jamie to put me in something. I ain't been in shit. Listen, 
Bro, let's write some and let's do it, baby. Let's. I got, I got some great ideas. We just need your backing. Listen, I got that deal with Sony. They looking for comedy like a mofo, and I got that deal at a uh, 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 Viacom. Man, we can get whatever we want, bro. It's well, nice. count me in. You're the one with the deal. I'll work I'm, for I'm, you. I'm, John's gonna play my mother. I'm very funny. Bro, I'm serious. If we don't, if we don't do something tomorrow, like let's get on the phone tomorrow and get something. I'm telling you, hey, all right. That movie you told me about, well, I'm not going to talk about it right here, but the movie you told me about is fucking incredible, and I want to help you write that shit. Come on, come on, come on. All right, guys, listen, I'm gonna let y'all go, man. But I just had to tap in, man, and tell y'all, man, I appreciate the greats. Hey, man, Thank we you, appreciate Jamie. you, Jamie. Nice talking to you. Bye, baby. Peace, Jamie. Peace, Bye, Mr. Bishop. You know, Russell, do yourself a favor. Listen to what everything that Jamie and I just said. Please write it down. Study it. I'm called Reginald Hudlin. You need to know what. <laughs> Everyone's going to take me seriously. Like, I can't How's believe the Academy you Award winner calling I can't us believe you let John Hudlin. talk to you like that, Russell. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. What you won't find? Sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, and artificial colorants. Plus, the fresh taste and delayed-release capsule design make taking your vitamins easy. Sometimes supplements have that chalky taste, which I'm aware of, but Ritual capsules are actually pleasant-tasting when you put them in your mouth. They're actually refreshing. It's helped me get in the habit of taking my vitamins every day. I like putting tasty things in my mouth. So if a vitamin is tasty, I'm just more likely to take it. Ritual is the multivitamin reimagined. A multivitamin should contain key nutrients and forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in the diet. No shady extras. Nobody likes a shady extra just standing there not serving a purpose. Anyway. Ritual's delayed-release capsule design delivers high-quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, in just two daily pills. And Ritual makes healthy habits easy. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping. Always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. You can't lose. Get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Peters to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash Peters for 10% off your first three months. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and sociopolitical factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Oh, wow. Shit. Reginald's getting his hair cut. Hello again. Just spoke to Jamie Foxx and now you. He didn't believe. I I just saw him. He asked me about the Great White Hype. I go. I just ran into Reggie at the bank. Didn't I? Isn't it nice that we're at the bank? That's not so bad. Uh, yes. Place to meet. What are you? Are you getting a haircut or is he painting your head? Both. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about. <laughs> What's happening over there? Doing my podcast. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love it. You got, you got all the bowlers over there. I love it. You got. I love it. Say no more. I mean, you should be here too, Reggie. It'd be amazing if you were here. You just let me know. I'll do it. I'm in. All right. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I got a movie idea. Great brown hype. <laughs> I just love the idea of you you guys being brothers. Oh my God. I, I agree. Yeah. We should do the movie Twins over. Yes. yes. You two as We could be bro- we kind of do look alike a little. We could say same m- mother and different fathers or vice versa. You know, although I get very, you know, I, I was put up for adoption. <laughs> And you become wealthy on your own, and he squanders the family inheritance. I think it'd be funny if I grew up in the hood, but I well, still I talk wanna... like John. You don't have to make a movie about what my... up, Cuz. You don't have to make a movie about my actual life. <laughs> Keep it cribbing, Cuz. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You guys, are how are you getting a haircut? You're bald. <laughs> 
You're not bald. Your hair is a, is a, is literally an eighth of an inch long. What are this they is, cutting? I, 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 I'm not naturally bald. I have to work to look like this. Oh. <laughs> well, oh, he's shaving your head. If your hair was Where any are you, shorter, Reg? it would be inside of your scalp. Well, come to my backyard. <laughs> I wish. I'm, you know, I've got a, got a house full of kids. Bring them with you. I got a nah. pool. Yeah, but make sure you there eat you beforehand. I got here. Russell goes, you want something to eat? I go, what do you got? He goes, curry. <laughs> curry what? Anything. Curry chicken, curry hamburgers, curry, curry, curry. Curry hamburgers. Curry curry Pop-Tarts. All right, well, we just hit you, and then we hit Jamie called us right away, and then and then I was like, I guess Jamie's gone. And then I looked, oh, shit, Reggie called us back, too. There you go. It's all love, my friends. Have a great weekend. You, too. Thank you. You, too, young fella. We'll talk to you later. Goodbye. I don't talk like that. Ridiculous. Bye, Reg. <laughs> Can't believe you made fun of me. I would never. How It's rude. Yes, how rude. I'll tell you something, John. When I was with my friend, my girlfriend, maybe my wife, Mor- Morgan Fairchild. Who I've seen naked. Have you? Andy Breckman, who wrote the movie Rat Race, he was writer on SNL. He came up with that joke. That was the funniest joke. My wife, Morgan Fairchild. Then he added, who I've seen naked. <laughs> His wife. She, By the way, one time I was at the show, and, and my agent's assistant calls, Morgan Fairchild's calling for you. And I go, yeah, right. And it was her. And I ended up, she was really nice. She goes, thank you. It's so funny the way you do it. She says, well, if I'm ever in New York, I'll take you to lunch. So she came to New York and she took me to lunch and we left this restaurant together. And this is right when my liar character was like, it was at its peak. And we leave the restaurant and some guy saw us walking out, coming in, saw us together. And he went, my God, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite character in all of the SNL's history. Naturally. Naturally. First of I all, saw, it was I saw, funny. Oh, you want to hear and funny? And secondly, it was me. You'll appreciate this. I went to dinner the other night. I, saw I don't buy that for a second. I have eaten on. once or twice. I went to dinner. I saw David Spade at the restaurant. He was on a date, as per usual. I when said, hey, the- David, what's up? And he looked at me and goes, how you doing, pal? And I went and sat down. And I was like, he didn't know it's me. And then at the end of the night, he got up and goes, and he goes, all right, see you, man. And I go, have you, when was the last time you talked to Egan? He goes, well, I'm going to see him tomorrow. Why don't you text him and you saw me and we can... That was his way of going, so I know who the fuck you are. When was this? Two days ago. Two days ago? Two days ago. He had no clue it was me. And I've done his fucking TV show. So, they, so it was a Wednesday? Correct. It was a Wednesday. I saw David Spade at Koi who having was the, dinner. Uh, interesting. I, I'm good friends with David. We play golf a lot together. Well, maybe you can tell him I saw We're Russell. playing tomorrow. Well, tell him he did. He didn't know it was you? He had no clue it was me. I knew it. I saw the look in his face. It was blank. I really don't think he recognized me. Well, look at your hair. You've got a whole new hairdo. I had a hat on. Half your hair is missing. How dare you? It's not even a hairdo. It's a hair went away. How dare you? And you know, they, they shaved the bottom half of your head, and they go, what do you want us to do with the rest of it? You go, just give me a hairdo. Glue it on the front. You've literally got a a live growing toupee. I keep planting my own hair 
I'm going to have a proceeding. Why hairline. would you? Why did you shave the bottom of your head? So they above wouldn't the confuse ear. me. They wouldn't confuse me with John Levitz. But it's like it's like that's like that they would do in the army. I've never had longer. Like your hair to me would be extremely long. If I had your hairdo, I would not leave the house. Yet you leave with that one. I'm only saying that because you were making fun of me, and now the tides have changed. The tides have turned. Jarhead, that's your hairdo. How dare you? Jar, who? Look, who do you think you are? Jake Gyllenhaal? I'm Jake Gyllenhaal way. You're a jarhead. I'm very much a military man. Thank God you didn't see the movie Gandhi. How God dare you? Who knows what you would do with your hair then? I was Gandhi. They, I know. I didn't even. And by the way, it just occurred to me that Gandhi's from India. I didn't even make that connection. I just see you as Russell. And then I went Gandhi and I went, oh, he's from India too. Didn't even think about it. I'm Mahatma Russell. There's something I haven't told you. Hmm. John. Well, you could be my guru. My, this is my guru. You know what's funny? John and Jarhead. I have friends in common that are like friends who are like, how the fuck do you know them too? Chuck Zito and I are very good friends, and Chuck Zito and I will call John whenever we're together. Well, I met Chuck in New York. Back in the day. Yeah, in Columbus. Same restaurant. Who else do you know that I know that people listening to this would not be interested in? Polly Herman. Paul Herman. Yes, that's right, Polly. How do you know Polly? From he Chuck, knows Chuck Zito. Zito. <laughs> oh, from Chuck, yeah. And you know Mike Tyson? I do know Mike very well. Oh, you know who else you know that I know? I don't know. I don't. Uh, uh, I don't know her well. I met her like twice. Your daughter. You met her at ten months and ten years. Yeah, I was blown away. That's that's when uh, <coughs> that photo of Dana Carvey and I look at him trying to eat my ear. Isn't that funny? I got a photo of him trying to eat my ear, same way. But I, he, he was so nice. This guy Michael. Uh, Politz, who has a, a online ma a food and beverage magazine, got me the job, and then Dana and I did a stand-up show at the SLS, and he invited, and he's very good friends with Mike, and Mike came, and as you can see, Mike likes me. <laughs> we met in 1985, before he was the world champion, and that was an amazing thing about being on Saturday Night Live in Columbus was just meeting all the people that you watched, you know, uh, growing up, and all the people, and then the. Everyone goes, what's the part of the best part? I go, well, on the show, getting to do scenes with these great actors and then meeting all these people and asking them about what they do. Do you want to hear a funny story about that? Yes, please. Finally. So. <laughs> finally. So when I would always listen to Billy Joel's 52nd Street and he had that. Uh, side note. My, are you friends with Billy Joel? Well, I, I'm, can I finish the story? Sorry. So rude. Guess your manners went away with your hair. Side so, note. So then I can't believe for a former drug delivery man, you're this rude. So I know. So I always listen to 52nd Street and he had that song, My Life. And he talks about this is my life. And there's, you know, I had a friend who went to LA to be a stand-up. He was talking about Richard Belzer, wasn't he? I don't know. Yes, but he, he was. just sang that song. I never knew that. So he's singing that song. And I'm, yeah, and I'm trying to struggle and I can, yeah, it's my life. I'm gonna be in comedy, not a stand-up, but you know. Anyway, I, I go to Columbus all the time, and in walks Billy Joel. And he says, you know Lydia Cornell? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, my God. You know Lydia Cornell? From, go, from yeah. Too Close for Comfort? Yeah. <laughs> I said, you yeah. Know he goes, oh, my God. I had the biggest crush on her because there's a place called Caribou Ranch in Colorado, 
and Lydia was the receptionist, and Bill used to be there recording songs. Because you know Lydia, I go, you're married to Christy Brinkley, for God's sake. What are you wrong? Anyway, we talked for an hour and a half. I go, I'm such a big fan of yours. In my life, I listened to it all the time. It was an inspiration. It kept me going. It really did. And, and I go, what about this song and this song? And we're talking for like an hour and a half. And, and then in walks Brooke Shields, who was at her peak and just, you know, 36 years ago. She was, and she was like, I don't know, she was in her 20s. She was stunning. And at the time, she goes, she was considered the most beautiful woman in the world. So she sits down at our table. So I start talking to Brooke for like 10 minutes. And Billy leans behind her. She's sitting between us. He goes, hey, John. I go, yeah. He goes, weren't we like having a, like a thing? Like, you know, I said, yeah, yeah, but it's Brooke Shields. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm a big I fan of yours. However, I don't want to fuck you. It was very funny. But yeah, I became friendly with him. He's a very nice guy. Very nice. I want to ask you a question. You don't uh, have to answer it if you don't want to. Is it about the Jews? Who's the most famous woman you dated? I have none, so you could win this easily. Well, That's public knowledge. You know what? That, That's public knowledge, though. Uh, you know what? I know. Let me text her. Hold on. <laughs> you never dated anybody famous, Russell? Porn stars and shit. Hold on. Oh, um... Uh, Okay, she said I could say. She said it was okay. It's okay. And then she goes, nobody will believe you anyway. Queen Elizabeth. I knew it. I heard about this in the tabloids. Well, the, I, I don't want to talk about my private life, but I will tell you who. The, because she talked about it. Was a Janice Dickinson. And I said, Janice... The supermodel? Yeah. I go, well, we were friends and, and you know, we day for like a minute. And then she says, let's just be friends. I go, okay. And then a week later, it's all over the papers. I'm her new boyfriend. I go, I thought you said we we're just friends. Now I'm your new boyfriend. And then she says, I my nickname for John is Big Dick. And I was mortified. Not that I was an asshole, but that I had a big dick. And I go, what are you? And I go, I don't oh, talk shit. about that stuff. I was mortified. Look and at that, then, John. Yeah, that's, there we are. And then, and my manager goes, oh, it's the best publicity you ever got. And I was mortified. I was like, yeah. And I go, that's like private. But now, you know, I'm 63. I'm like, tell everybody. Can't get a fucking date. You know, the I'm irony fine. is the picture we pulled up is you guys at an event that was sponsored by Pfizer. Because <laughs> they make Viagra. Well, after a short break, John's dog, Jerry, came, jumped up on the couch here and threw up on my cushion. I think there's no better way to end this episode than vomit. Then just, yeah, well, he must have seen you do it. You and son then, of a bitch. <laughs> well, John, they learn from watching their master. Thank you, you bastard. You bulimic son of a bitch. It's you. been a pleasure, you cocksucker. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your show, you son of a bitch bastard. God damn you to hell. <laughs> That's our episode of Culturally Cancel with John Lovitz. Thank you, Russell. And he was great. And his dog, Jerry, has bulimia. I know. He's a very L.A. dog. I don't know why he threw up. I just gave him some of the chicken your wife just offered me, which I also ate. <laughs> Today's episode was Jonathan Michael Lovitz. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Culturally Cancelled with Russell Peters. I am also Russell Peters, so it's redundant to say my name twice, but I'm him. He is I, and I am him. Anyway, you want to see me? Come see me. Check me out on uh, russellpeters.com. Find out where I'm at. See if I'm in a city near you. And if I am, come see me. And if I'm not, then uh, tell your friends that are near me to come see me. I just want to see people. Listen, we've all been locked down long enough. Let's see each other again. Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.